You are listening to Pastor Don Cherry from Shenandoah Valley Baptist Church, recorded on Sunday, June 5th, 2022. For more information about our church, you can visit our website, svbcfamily.com, or you can find us on all things social at svbcfamily. Well, take your Bibles this morning. I want you to go to uh, Matthew chapter 14. That last song we played, you know, I'll praise him in the storm. Boy, when those times come, in a lot of ways, it is hard to praise God. I mean, let's face it. Everything, when, they, when times of struggle, whatever it may be, everything, yes, we want people to pray for us. Yes, you know, all that good stuff and everything. But, you know, when it comes to just praising God, even for those difficult times, you know, from a human perspective and everything, that's all, almost counter in what we do. You know, we, we as humans, you know, when things go bad, then we tend to complain. Okay, when things are great, sure, we'll praise God. You know, we'll lift, we'll lift him up. But the, like the song said, you know, I'm going to praise him in the storm. I'm going to praise him when things get difficult. I'm going to praise him when I just don't know what the outcome's going to be. You know, and then we're going to see that in the life of the disciples, but in particular, Peter, okay, here in chapter 14. Now, let me... Um, just kind of give you, and I'm going to do probably more teaching today than anything and all, and I may be asking some questions, so I want you to get ready to, to answer as we go through here. But Jesus' disciples had just finished feeding 5,000 people, okay? Five loaves, two fish. What a tremendous miracle. Now, again, I don't know about you, but if I would see somebody take five loaves and two fish and feed 5,000 people, that would get my attention, I pay attention to something like that. So there's something special about this man, all right? And so that is the scene that had just took place on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. And so here we're going to look down beginning in verse um, 22, all right? We're going to just kind of work our way through this, and hopefully it'll all come together there at the end. So immediately, okay? My Bible has that first word in verse 22, immediately, okay? You need to underline that. Because that word is used two other times in this very passage, okay? Two other times in this passage. So immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into a boat and go, all right? And go. He didn't say get in the boat and set. He didn't say get in the boat and just, you know, bounce on the water. He said go. He was sending them over to the other side. But you know, that is the message of the gospel if you get right down to it. Matthew chapter 28, Jesus said once again to his church, what? Go. Where to go? He didn't say get in the church and get comfortable. He didn't say come together and rush out of place, you know, where you sit. You know, I know who's not here on a Sunday morning because of the place that's absent. You people sit in the same place all the time, okay? I guarantee you, and everything, I guarantee you, if somebody sat where Wanda's sitting and everything, that seat wouldn't be right. You know, because that's where she always sits. You understand where I'm coming from? But Jesus said, didn't say, get in the boat and just be still. Get in the boat, get comfortable. He said, get in the boat and go. Okay? Keep in mind, that is the message of the church, folks. That, 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 that continues. That's not just 2,000 years ago. As a church, which we are the church, we are to constantly be going into our communities, our neighborhoods, our families, with the witness of the gospel. 
okay, at your work, at your school, wherever it might be, with the witness of the gospel. So he told his disciples to go before him to the other side. Now, the other side, we're talking, we're talking about the other side of the Sea of Galilee, but the reason it was referred to as the other side is it was the Gentile side, all right? Remember the land of Israel, their uh, uh, western border, I'm sorry, their eastern border was the Jordan River, all right? West is the Mediterranean Sea. So that Jordan River flows out of the Sea of Galilee, so basically the other side and everything is what's called the other side. It's the Gentile side. Go to the other side. Go to the people that are undesirable. Go to the people that nobody wants to be around. Go to the people that others see less than human. But go. That's where I want you to go. You know, how can we get away from John 3.16, for God so loved only the good people? It's not what he said, is it? He loves all mankind. Regardless, not only just red, yellow, black, and white, but whether you're good, bad, ugly, it doesn't make any difference. God loves us. And that's where we go to, you see. We don't go to the places we like. We just go because that's who God loves. Go to the other side, he said. And while he sent the multitudes away, and when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now, when evening came, he was alone there. What do we see here? You know, I don't know about you, but if the Son of God, if the Son of God is willing to get alone with his Father, then I would think we should be alone to get with our Father. Amen? We should want to get alone with him. We should have those times where it's just you and God one-on-one. -on -one. You know, we ought, we ought to dedicate those times. And this is where we have to examine our prayer life. We have to examine our communication with God. I understand every one of you sat down at the table this morning, you had your muffin and orange juice or whatever like that, and you asked God to bless that. And that's wonderful. And I'm sure that, you know, when somebody, you know, you're going to pick up the prayer list, okay, in the back here, the June prayer list is back there. You're going to pick that up. And you know what? You're going to take a time, you're going to pray for those people. But what about that time just you and God one-on-one -on -one alone? And don't even begin to say, I don't have time. Because you've heard me say before, and you know that it's true, you've got time for what's important. And if your communication with your Heavenly Father is important, you'll make time for it, you see. And you know, God's not saying, hey, you've got to spend three hours with me. He's not saying that. But he's saying, get alone with me. And why do you think Jesus went alone? Why do you think he was there just one-on-one -on -one with God? Well, remember what they had just done. They just sent a multitude away. So there's probably people all over the place. I can see he was probably physically exhausted, you know, because he is as human as you and I are, you know, yet God. So he probably got alone, you know, just to get away from things, but also where there's no noise. Our society's full of noise today, isn't it? There's all kinds of noise today. You know, you walk out those doors, you hear noise. I walk out in my backyard, I hear Interstate 81. I go to work, I hear noise. It's just noise all over the place. Well, listen, you know, the Bible says that God speaks in what? A still, small voice. He doesn't grab a megaphone and all. He doesn't shout it out. He just whispers it to our heart. You're not going to be able to hear that if all you've got is noise all over the place. You've got to have that time away from God where you can hear what your Father's saying to you. Because keep in mind, prayer is a dialogue, folks. It's not a monologue. 
It's not you going through a laundry list to give to God and everything. It's you talking to God, listening back to what your heavenly Father has to say. So he got alone. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. A storm, right? A storm. Now, I grew up, as you did, a half a world away from the Sea of Galilee. But I had some similar connection there because I grew up on the southwestern edge of Lake Erie. Most of you all know the Great Lakes and such. And Lake Erie has a, I guess you could say, a, a similarity with the Sea of Galilee. And that is that the waves can get choppy and rough really quick. Really quick. Lake Erie is the shallowest of the Great Lakes. And so when the winds start to blow, especially when they come down from Canada and everything, that thing can get pretty treacherous real quick. Well, the Sea of Galilee is too a shallow lake, but it sits down in a bowl. We often think of the Dead Sea, the lowest place on earth, 1,400 feet below sea level, but we fail to realize that the Sea of Galilee is over 600 feet below sea level. And it sits down in a bowl, so when the winds come over the mountains, it can whip up a storm really quick. And those waves can get choppy and such. I've only been on water twice when it was choppy. One, Deb and I went on a cruise several years ago down in the Caribbean, and I think the first night out, and I think the cruise ship was basically doing this, back and forth. I thought it was kind of funny and all, because it was a Christian cruise, and so there was a lot of groups there, musical groups, and we had this open space at the back of the ship, and they had their speakers set up on each end, and we watched the speakers do this as they're singing and all. And then the singers, they'd be singing there and they'd be like this. <laughs> they're hunkered down because that ship's moving and all, going all across and everything. So it was kind of rocking and rolling a little. The other was on Lake Erie. And all, we were at a youth camp. I had taken a group to youth camp and everything out on Kelly's Island. That means nothing to you and everything. But the name of the camp was Camp Patmos, okay? It was out on an island, okay? Just like the Isle of Patmos where Paul was at. And the day we left, Lake Erie was pretty choppy. And the boat that we got in to get back to the shore, and everything, which was about a 20-minute ride, and everything was doing this, back and forth and such. And the only thing I could think of, because my son, our oldest son, he was part of that group there, I thought, man, if this thing goes over, I got to know where he's at and all. But God got us there safely and everything. So I've been on some rough water and everything. My brother... Um, when he was in the Navy, he was stationed on the USS Iowa, huge battleship, World War II battleship. And he said there were times they were in the North Sea and everything, and literally the front of that battleship would go underwater, and the water would splash up on the deck, uh, up on the bridge, and everything, and it'd come back up and such, you know, seeing that. And usually at those times when the crew is hunkered down underneath, Everything not getting in there. So rough water, okay? This is what's happening here and everything. The wind, wind came up, the waves, they were tossing the waves. The wind was contrary. Now in verse 25, now in the fourth watch of the night. So what's the fourth watch of the night? That is from 3 to 6 a.m., all right? 3 to 6 a.m. So I want you to get this picture, okay? There's just been a great victory as Jesus and his disciples, they fed these 5,000. Now, Jesus is saying, I want you over to the other side of the lake. I've got some business to tend to and everything. And he got along with his heavenly father. Well, as they're rowing across, getting across this lake and all, all of a sudden, 
man, the storm brews up, okay? And not only that, but it's in the dead of night. I mean, there's no lights. There's no spotlights. There's no lights of the city. There's no anything like that. This is pitch dark, you know, and these waves are starting to crash on here. This boat's starting to rock and roll. The wind is starting to blow, okay? So you, have you got the scene? Have you got the picture of what's going on there? So it's the fourth watch between 3 and 6 a.m. Don't know exactly when in there. Just know within that watch. Now look here. Jesus went to them walking on the sea. Verse 26. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying it's a ghost. And they cried out for fear. Now the first thing I'm thinking about, so between 3 and 6 a.m., okay, it's dark. Okay, I don't know, maybe the sun's just starting to come up a little bit. But anyhow, they see this image walking to them. The Bible says they see Jesus. So walking to them. And so they start freaking out. Man, is this a ghost? Who's coming out here? This boat's rocking and rolling, man. It's, it's going, the water's crashing. This is some dire time. But Jesus walked unto him, and then look, verse 27, and we see that word again immediately. And immediately, Jesus spoke to them saying, be of good cheer. It is I, do not be afraid. Okay, let's put that together for just a moment. These disciples are panicking. And you can understand why. These guys were professional fishermen, all right? They've been on that sea. They've seen things and all, but evidently they haven't seen anything like this, nor at this time. They're panicking. Here comes Jesus walking to them, and he says, don't be troubled. What does that say to you and I in our times of trouble? Has God changed? Is God panicking? Did he bust the glass in case of an emergency in heaven? No. Whenever we go through whatever circumstance it may be, Jesus is saying, don't be afraid. I'm there, you see. I'm coming, all right? I'm approaching. And the Bible tells us he never leaves or forsakes, amen? He doesn't leave. He doesn't leave us. Lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. He never leaves. Why? Because we have the Spirit of God within us. Wherever we go, whatever the circumstance, He's there. Okay? He's right there with us. So, we see that. Immediately, Jesus said to them, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Now, look at this. In just two words, I want you to notice here. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if. Do you see that? Lord, master, that's what the word Lord there means. Master, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Now, a lot of people would like to jump Peter's wagon about right now and everything and just say that Peter didn't show any faith, you know. But again, it's dark. The waves are crashing. The wind's blowing. You're not going to see somebody until they're maybe right up on top of you, okay? And even at that, with everything that's going on, with the circumstances going on, Master, if it's you, you see. Have we ever been like that with God? Man in one place and everything, Master, Lord, 
Savior, God, Creator, Sovereign, all that. That's how we see Him. And then a circumstance comes about and we go, Lord, uh, if you're here, if, um, if that's you, you see, a little inconsistency there in there, okay? A little inconsistency there. He said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come on the water. So Jesus said, hold tight and I'll be there. It's not what he said, is it? What did Jesus tell him? Come on out. Come on out. And when Peter came down out of the boat, he walked on the water, Jesus. Man, can you imagine that? Isn't that cool? Again, they had just witnessed what he could do with you know, five loaves and two fish. And now Peter, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come. Okay, come on. And he stepped out, began walking on the water. You see, how tremendous, you know, what did, what did Peter show at that initial time? Again, a lot of people want to razz Peter, you know, for, and, you know, Peter, Peter, I think, is a perfect example of the Christian life, Okay. Peter was one of those, when he was good, he was good, and when he was bad, he's bad. All right? He had ups and downs, all right? Man, he had, he, he saw the feeding of the 5,000, but then we see this situation. There was another place where, you know, Peter told the Lord, I will never deny you, and guess what happened? Before that cock crew, he denied him three times, you know. Peter just kind of represents us. He kind of represents Christian life, okay? Ups and downs, ins and outs, constantly on that. So Peter, you know, the thing about it is, at least he was willing to get out of the boat. I've got a book, just packed it away not too, too long ago, but I've got a book that says, if you want to walk on the water, be willing to get out of the boat. There you go. You know, if you want to live by faith, then you got to take that initial step toward Christ, Okay? Toward him. You got to take that. You got to keep your eyes focused in that way. And then Peter got out of the boat. He walked on the water uh, to go to Jesus. Verse 30. What's the first word? What? Come on, somebody. But. Okay. But. Now, it's only kind of a bad word if you put an extra T on there. You know, that's not the one we're talking about. All right. But we talked about that here a few weeks back, you know, that but. It's kind of like that's a word you don't want to hear. You know, you take your car in for a tune-up, and you go to pick it up, and the mechanic says, yep, got her all tuned up, but. You just don't want to hear that. Or you've had tests. You go to the doctor, you run tests and everything, the doctor calls you up and says, hey, we got your test result back, everything looks good, but. Nobody wants to hear that, do they? Okay. Well, what are we seeing here? Peter got out of the boat. Peter walked on the water, but. Now, what are, we, what are we dealing with? When he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid, and he began to sink. What's key in that passage? What's key in that passage is when he saw is what he was looking at. Because the first time he was looking at who? He was looking at Jesus. 
Lord, if it be you, bid me to come to you. Okay, Peter, come on out. I'm getting out of this boat and I'm walking. But then what did Peter start doing? He started looking at his circumstances, didn't he? He started looking at the waves. He started looking at the water. Maybe he started feeling that wind, you know, in a different way. And so he started looking around. He started looking. And all of a sudden, what happened? He started to go down, you see. He started to sink. He cried out saying, Lord, save me. Now look at verse 31. Here's the third time the word immediately is used. You know, I think scripture teaches us that God doesn't present cloudy situations. That God presents definite situations. That you're going to know when something's God's will and when it's not God's will. We're not going to have to guess about it. And when I look at the word of the Lord, you know, all through Scripture, that's how it happened. Look, at, look in the book of Genesis there at creation. You know, God said, let there be light. And what happened? There's light. It happened, didn't it? God said, let there be a firmament. What happened? There's firmament. God said, let the land separate from the sea. What happened? It's, it did that. You see, when God spoke, it happened. Okay. God doesn't leave us in a, in a fog. God doesn't leave us sitting back wondering. Although we oftentimes shoot ourselves in the foot. Because maybe we're thinking one way, but God's saying, no, this is where I want you. And so we decide to do what we want to do. And what happens? We start sinking. God, pull me out. Lord, save me. Help me. And you know what's neat in this passage? And immediately, he reached down and got him. He reached down and embraced him. Okay. But you know, as you read that, um, Jesus didn't pat him on the back, did he? He kind of got real with him. Look at there. Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Brother, you did really good. I hope you learned something here. Now, O you of what? Little faith. All right. Why did you what? Doubt. Okay. Now, I've never seen 5,000 people fed with five loaves and two fishes. I've never seen that. I've never seen a body of water part. I've never seen that. Okay. I've never even attempted to walk on water. Even if it was only a couple inches deep. Didn't try that. I didn't see what we have read in Scripture. But what we read in Scripture is the same God that lives today. It's the same Jesus that lives today. He's the same Savior that can overcome whatever circumstances we may go, be going through. He reached out and caught him. When we're in the Father's hand, nobody can take us out of the Father's hand, you see. And I'll never leave you or forsake you. This is the promise of God. So this is the question that I have today in regard to this message. Why he, Jesus said, why did you doubt? Let me ask you something. In your life, why do you doubt? 
in the life of our church, why do we doubt? What is it? And I'm not coming from a place of perfection or spiritual maturity or something like that. I'm like, I'm like the rest of you. I'm like the rest of you. There's times that my eyes have turned to the circumstances more than they have the Savior. You know? It's just easy to do that. We let them think. You know, okay, so here, here's something I thought. Okay? Here's something I thought. And I don't think it'll happen here. But here's something I thought. All of our expenses are going up, right? You know, a couple of years ago, I could fill my car up out here for under $20. Okay? This last week, I put $68 in it. $68. We're all experienced that, right? We all have that. You go into the store, prices are going up. Matter of fact, I heard a report, I was listening to a report um, uh, this last week, and talking about, you know, this summer, what we may see this summer. And all, um, I think David and I were talking about, there's one report coming out that um, we're going to see gas prices continue to go up through the, uh, um, through the end of July. And then Mr. Biden's going to fix it. <laughs> However you want to believe. Okay. The other report was that eggs could reach a dollar per egg. Now, how many of y'all remember getting eggs for under a dollar for a dozen? I remember those days. Are you going to spend $12 a dozen? That's where it could go. That's where it could go. You see? So now we've got that facing us. Okay? Prices going up. Everything's going up. So we got to make concessions somewhere, don't we? we got to make concessions somewhere. I wonder how many of us are going to stop going out and eating. Or maybe we won't go to the movie. Or you know what? Maybe we won't go on vacation this year. Well, we got to make, we got to make concessions. Where are we going to make it? I uh, don't think I can give to missions this year. Uh, maybe, you know, maybe we ought to get through the summer before we start tithing again. See how things go on. Sadly, in many cases and everything, the church is the one that takes the brunt of it. No. You see where I'm coming from? You know? And you know why? Just like Peter, we start looking at the waves. We start looking at the wind. We start looking at the water getting in the boat. We get our eyes on the one who controls all that. Amen? Oh, me? You understand where I'm coming from? You see what I'm saying here? Now let's look. As we continue to, um, let me get back to that page. Where'd it go? There we go. Oh, you a little faith, why did you doubt? You've got to answer that question yourself. It'll be different for all of us. Why do we doubt? Why do we doubt God? Why do we doubt His love, care for us? Why do we doubt His provision? You see? Why do we doubt? As a church, why do we doubt? See, when we doubt, we tend to start looking inward. We start to get preservation mode. 
instead of mission mode, which is what God has called the church to do. We don't want to get there, folks. We don't want to get to where we're protecting and holding on to what we have at the cost of being the church that God has created us to be and called us to be, like salt. Now notice here in verse 32, and when they got into the boat. Did you see that? Jesus is right there with him. Jesus didn't toss Peter into the boat. Jesus didn't get into the boat and say, hey, Peter, swim your way over. He got a hold of him. He pulled him up, and they went together. Again, I will never leave you or forsake you. I, love, I don't know if you've seen it. One of the favorite pictures of mine, you usually see it at Christian bookstores. Um, but it's that picture, uh, and it's got a title to it. But basically what it gets down to is you see, you see a single set of footprints going through the sand. And the whole thing tells about, you know, Jesus walking and, and such like that along with you. But then it gets down to one, and the person's asking, Lord, where were you at? And everything here, there's only one single thing of footprints here. And Jesus said, that's when I carried you. That's when I carried you. You see, that's the God we have, folks. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. No, he'll never leave or forsake us. Now, when they got into the boat, what happened? Come on, you got it in front of you. The wind ceased, didn't it? Why did the wind cease? Well, the Bible doesn't record it here, but there is another instance. Jesus with his disciples in a boat on the Sea of Galilee. They panicked. They looked at the circumstances. They saw the waves. They saw the water in the boat. They saw the wind, all that stuff. And Jesus just said, peace, be still. That's the words I believe that he says to our hearts today. Peace. Just be still. Gas prices are going up. Peace. Be still. You may not be able to get your favorite bacon at the store. Peace. Be still. You see. You've got grandkids and they're panicking because they can't get the formula they need for their babies. Peace. Be still. God's telling you, I got this thing. You can trust me. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going to let you go. You see? And then, I'm going to close with this. Verse 33, Then those who were in the boat came, and they worshipped him. Isn't that neat? Isn't that neat? Can I get, can I get just real blunt this morning? When God pulls our butt out of the fire, we ought to praise Him. We ought to worship Him. You know, because for the most part, we probably put ourselves there. But He said, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. I've got a hold of you. I'm not going to let go. You see. Now, that doesn't mean go out and be stupid. All right? That's not what it's talking about. We all make mistakes. We understand that. Okay? But this is who, the, who, who, who our God is. They worshiped him saying, look, truly, you are the son of God.
Who's Jesus to you today? Who's Jesus to you, Eric? Naomi, who's Jesus to you? Barry, who's Jesus to you? You see? Heidi, who's Jesus to you? We've got to answer that question, folks. We're living in times and everything. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. You think things are going to get easier out there? It's not. It's not. Yeah, I think we're going to have a great election in 2020, you know, in November. Still not going to get easier. You see? And so you and I have a choice today as an individual believer and as the church. We can either look at the circumstances, we can look around, we can panic, we can cry out, we can do all that, or we can get our eyes fixed where they need to be and know that we have a God that loves us and cares for us and doesn't let go of us. Got a choice here, don't we? This is not about Peter walking on water. There's so much more involved in that. But the key thing, the key thing that we discover out of this, you're the Son of God. And that's where I'm going to keep my eyes. And I hope you'll keep your eyes there too. Heads bowed and eyes closed.